Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, the best tasting beer and more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? A French TGV train hits a record speed of 317 miles per hour. Boris Yeltsin is elected president of the Russian Republic, and the Hubble Space Telescope sends the first photographs from space. This is May 1990, and you're listening to What the Rip. I'm Wayne. I'm John. I'm Rob. And I'm Bruce. And Bruce is bringing us this album. What do you have for Indeed. us, Bruce? Indeed. Guys, if you're headbangers, if you're looking for the hairband du jour from 1990, well, maybe hang on till the staff picks. We'll see what happens there. That's not what you're going to get with this group. This is The Sundays, and it's from their album Reading, Writing, and Arithmetic. That's their debut album. Well, how would you describe this sound? Ethereal. Yeah, ethereal. I'm thinking like a little coffee shop. I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of, um, you know, a hippie chick in a... In a dress, kind of flowing and dancing around, a little bit like indigo. Yeah, girls maybe. The word that I heard was dream pop. Dream pop. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I remember this song. Do you? This was their. Uh, this was their debut um, single. This was called "Can't Be Sure." Um, so you know that you might have heard. I hadn't heard this one before. Honestly, the reason that I picked this album is because. I was planning on using one of their more popular songs as my staff pick, and I started listening to the album. I was like, this is really good. So they, they were formed in 1988 by Harriet Wheeler, who is the vocalist, and guitarist David, uh, David Gaffarin, and they met at Bristol University. So it's a U.K. band. Harriet was not a very common name back then. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Huh. But uh, they added bassist Paul Brindley and drummer Patrick Hannon to form the group. Okay, so it's not an all-female group. No, it's not. She's she's the only female in the group. But um, neither Wheeler nor Gafarin were uh, musical. Had a musical background. Uh, uh, Wheeler was studying English literature, and Gafarin was studying Romance languages. And they met. They became a couple. They formed the band. This, it's, it kind of reminds me of uh, like a cross between like a Eurythmics and a Cindy Lauper kind of sound to it. Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting time in the UK because the Smiths had just broken up, and it was still several years before the Manchester sound would kind of take over. So they're stepping into that gap. Yeah, I can see hear a little bit of the Manchester stuff going in here. Like I said, that ethereal sound. Mm-hmm. She's sounds like Susanna Hoffs from the yes. Bengals to me. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. A little bit of uh, 99 Luff Balloons, too, maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can hear that, for sure. I felt like it, it reminded me of the cra- of the, the Cranberries yes. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. That would for- they'd come later, though. 
That's, yeah. that's probably who I thought it was at the time. I don't remember the band name, The Sundays, so I'm interested in hearing more I about love her. it. I love her voice, though. She's got a, she's great, got a great, great voice. sound. She really does. So that song hit number 45 on the UK singles chart a year before the album came out. Wow. So the album actually came out in, I believe it was January of 90. This is May of 90, which is when one of their songs was really popular on the radios. Um, but um, it uh, it hit number four on the UK charts, but that song was a year before, and they didn't have any material because they formed in 88. Right. The song came out in 89, and they hadn't been touring or anything. And on top of this, they're kind of perfectionists, so they weren't really good at working to a deadline. So that kind of happened with them. That's a problem for your contract work. Yes, yes it is. Sounds like Boston. Yes, it does. Does it? it reminded me a lot of the story behind Boston. Uh, this song is called "You're Not the Only One I Know," and it's a deeper song. It's a deeper cut. It's a breakup song, and the lyrics are kind of the singer is depressed because she wants the guy to come back, but she's too proud to talk to him about it. This sounds like another song that I'm sure is one of the other ones that you're going to play. Yes. That did make it really high on the charts. I can't think of the words or the name, but it has a similar kind of similar sound, doesn't yeah. it? She's, the thing is, she, she hits these like sevenths and ninths and things like that in, in the song. It's just got a very different structure than, than what you're used to hearing. Have you, any of y'all been in the UK on a Sunday? I've never been to the UK. Oh, okay. Well, I was recently there last summer, um, and Sundays there is family time. It is relaxing. Things are not open. You're, like maybe a grocery store open, maybe one pub in the area, and that's about it. You're to go to visit your family, or some may go to church or whatever else. But you're, you know, I asked people, goes, what do you do on a Sunday around here? And they just went, oh, we go to family's houses. You know, we're, it's family time on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And to me, this has that feel of a Sunday in the U.K. Mm, yeah. It just it just has that kind of like, okay, we're going to relax. We're going to have a nice, you know, calm time. And like I said, just just it, it's just flowing. Mm-hmm. I have really gotten into this album, I've got to say. I've played it through a, a number of times. It's just... It has that. It does have that coffee shop vibe. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's it's lower key. It's one of these things where, you know, if you're if you were sitting around in the evening on the dock or whatnot, not quite yacht rock, but it has that feel to it. Well, you can talk over it too, like we're doing. I mean, yeah. you can hear it in the background. You can hear each other talk. It kind of sets a mood and sets a tone. Mm-hmm. Just hanging out talking. Yeah. And that beautiful voice. Oh my goodness, what a beautiful voice. And she, one of the unusual things, she retains that uh, English accent in her singing. A lot of times you'll, you know, the, the accent drops away. They sound American yeah. when they start singing. Yeah, but, uh, but, but she retains it. Is she playing, who's playing the acoustic guitar? Because that's really nice too. Yeah, that's David Gavar, uh, Gavarin. And they're a couple now. I, I don't know if I mentioned that, but they, they, kind of moved in together and they yeah. established the band about the same time. They produced three albums through the 1990s 
and then basically disappeared. Huh. And I'll talk about that in, in a little bit. Okay. That was a nice one. Yeah. This one, this is the last song on the album. It's called Joy. And uh, it's one of the last that the group wrote for the album as well. So they actually wanted to name the album Joy, but when they did the research, somebody had already taken that. What's the name of the album? The name of the album is Reading, Writing, and Arithmetic. <laughs> that wouldn't have attracted me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're sitting in a, in a school classroom. What I like about this type of music and naming of the songs and everything is it, it, it that time period in the 90s, we talked about it before, it was very positive. We've mm-hmm. had the fall of the Berlin Wall. We had the breakup of the Soviet Union. We talked about Boris Yeltsin now becoming the, the president of the Russian Republic. Everybody was more positive. Uh, suddenly that, that cloud of nuclear holocaust the Gorbachev is gone. Gorbachev years are over. Yeah, exactly. And so now we're having this positive feel, and you can just kind of feel that with us. Yeah. yeah. So this song, it turns a little bit heavier than some of the other tracks, but it still has that, I don't know, this impressionistic feel to it, you know? That's a good word. And that echo in the guitar, that reminds me a little bit of Pink Floyd. Hmm, yeah. You got that kind of... They're, they're repeating on the echo. So, Bruce, was you said you found this. You happened upon this looking for a staff pick. Yeah, yeah. So are you going to play the staff pick that yes. you picked well, next? Yeah, I, I won't, it won't be a staff pick, but, yes, I'm going to play the song. That, uh, that that I was going to use for a staff pick. Yeah. So then you got. So then you just started checking out the album and. Uh, mm-hmm. it, yeah, that's what I love about doing this. It's kind of like, you hear a song, and um, I, I did that with Brother Kane. I listened to one song and I was like, man, this sounds really cool. And I, I downloaded the album and I'm uh-huh. like, this is a good album. I want to do it as a as an album. Well, that's the way it was back in the day. You, I mean, I, I think a, a forty five cost you a dollar, and I think. In the 70s, it was $5.99 for an album. So it's like, well, what the heck? You know, most of the time, these are great musicians. They're going to have great other great songs on there. That's what we all did. We bought the albums. I mean, this is this is back when people put out albums. Entire albums were amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like, Th- they were musicians. They weren't, you know, manufactured by the people who were producing the album. Right. Well, and that's the thing. And, and I agree with, with, uh, with Rob on this. One of the things I've started doing is when I run into something that I do as a staff pick that I don't know much about the song, I'll I'll pick out a few more songs from it. You know, and it's easy to do on, you know, on any of the, uh, the 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 streaming services that are out there. You know, you can just go out on Spotify and say, okay, you know, play this album, and uh, you know, see what it's like. Yeah. You kids nowadays got it so easy. <laughs> Instantly <laughs> accessing all the music. Nothing worse than buying an album because you liked a song and the uh-huh. rest of the album sucked. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that was a waste. Yeah, I was really cheap back in the day. I would wait until I had heard three songs from the album that I liked. So they had to have at least three singles that would come out before I would buy it. Yeah. I, I had bought that song, the album from Climax Blues Band with the Couldn't Get It Right. Yeah. And the rest of the songs, I just could not get into. <laughs> it was like, man. They could get that one right, but yeah. they couldn't get the rest of well, it. Well, right. here's the thing was that the first song on one of the sides. It probably was, yeah. So. That, that at least helps a little bit. Yeah. 
You just paid for more vinyl than the 45. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of picked up here. Yeah, it does. It does ride it toward the end. This is the one that you've heard. Yep. This is the hit for U.S. listeners. Yeah, I definitely remember I've heard this that one. one. They still play this one today. This is the one that I was going to have as my staff pick, and it is called Here's Where the Story Ends. I would never have known. I wouldn't have remembered the Sundays, and I wouldn't have remembered the name of the song. I would have thought this was the Cranberries, honestly. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I, th- I thought it was the Cranberries, yeah. and I found out, no, it's the Sundays. I'm like, okay, well, let me see when they came out with this album. Yeah. So, interestingly, it was not released as a single in the UK because their record label, uh, which was Rough Trade, which had done the, the Smiths, hit the financial skids about that time. So, But it was a number one hit in the U.S. on the alternative rock chart. Yeah, I, I remember hearing this. It just, this reminds me, so all of a sudden I remembered going to Buckhead uh, after work and fi- going to a bar Wearing pleated pants and a white shirt with suspenders, and the guys who didn't wear glasses had glasses that weren't real. <laughs> it was yuppie time, and we're all out there listening to music like this and drinking beer, and you know, some people were doing other things, but yuppie, yuppie time. What a re- what a relaxing song. She's got such it a really is cool, like an enchanting it? voice. She does. She's got an amazing voice. I do like I like the lyrics. Sometimes it's hard to catch the lyrics with with the uh, with the accent, but uh, uh, these lyrics were: "It's that little souvenir of a terrible year, which makes my eyes feel sore. Oh, I never should have said the books that you read were all I loved you for." I thought, "Wow, that's wow, what pretty, a that's pretty neat. What a what a cut." <laughs> but yeah, this this is a song looking back. Looking back on a relationship that's long gone, yeah. this is the picture that I get. And you said they broke up and disappeared. Yes and no. That's a good question. So so Wheeler and Gafarin were in a relationship. They never really embraced the rock lifestyle, and they were perfectionists on top of that. So that really didn't lead to a lot of output. Um, they released their second album in 1992, then they cut the American tour short because of exhaustion and homesickness. And then the third album wouldn't come out until 1997. And by that time, Gavarin and Wheeler had started to settle down and have a family. They still make, they've got their own studio and they still make songs, but no albums have appeared since the 1990s. So this is a happy ending. This there, is a happy ending. I love a happy they ending. They didn't divorce. They settled down. They have a family. What? And as far as I'm concerned, they lived happily ever what after. What a win. Thanks for bringing a win to us, Bruce. I appreciate that. Hey, that positivity still goes on. So many so many of these couples that like formed originally and yeah. started making music, they just split up. You know, Ike and Tina. Lindsey uh, Buckingham, Stevie Nicks. Yeah, yeah, there you go, Stevie Nicks. You got um, John Lennon and Paul McCartney. <laughs> oh, different. Never mind. Yoko. <laughs> uh... But I don't know. It's one of these things. I'd love to have heard more from the from the Sundays, but I'm I'm glad I, I'm I'm glad they never embraced that lifestyle. You know, another album to listen to. Now we're going to move on to our entertainment track, brought to us by Monkey Wrench Brewing. 
If you guys remember, there was a TV show called New Heart, and it had its last episode in May of 1990, and it had a special twist of an ending. Anybody remember yes, what was the ending? Yes, it did. Yes. I remember watching it. I just don't remember how it ended. It ended with uh, Bob Newhart waking up, and I believe, was it Suzanne Plachette? Was yes. that the Spo- original spoiler line? Alert, spoiler alert. In the previous, in the previous, the Bob Newhart show, and the entire Newhart was a dream. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where they had... Uh, uh, what was it? The, this the is my brother Daryl, my other yeah. brother Daryl, yeah, my exactly. other brother Daryl. Also, ending was uh, Tracy Ullman show and Falcon Crest, and Tracy Ullman shows when um, Simpsons first started. That's right. Yeah. Muppets creator Jim Henson makes what turns out to be his final public appearance, where he appears as a guest at the Arsenio Hall show. He would die two weeks later. A TV movie returned to Green Acres. Oh, God. And actually had oh the, almost the entire cast back. Elvis, the TV drama about the early life of Elvis Presley. Doesn't sound like a good time for TV. Nor, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of depressing stuff going on on TV. Nor Dunn and Sinead O'Connor boycott Saturday Night Live to protest Andrew Dice Clay's hosting, which was perceived as him being sexist. All right, well, let's move on to some rock music here. Lynch is bringing us this one. This is a band you may have heard of. Sounds Uh, sounds a little familiar. Yeah, yeah, listen to it. You might might know the voice. I bring to you today Aerosmith, What It Takes. This was like the height of Aerosmith, wasn't it? This, this was, was when Aerosmith could do no wrong. Absolutely. Like, everything they produced was just hit after hit after hit. So it was actually tough to pick a song from Aerosmith for this time period. I mean, they had so many good ones. It didn't hurt either that they had Alicia Silverstone in all of their videos. That did not hurt, no. If you haven't seen those videos, you should definitely go on YouTube and watch them because they're they're amazing. And this is when they, they, could, they, they just wrote check after check after check because they had all the money they wanted. <laughs> they toured everywhere. They packed concert arena. I mean, they still do. I mean, if you go to Vegas, because they're they're basically camped out in Vegas now, or they were until December of, of 2022. I don't know what their contract is now, but you know, Steven Tyler and his voice and his persona just kept on going and going and going. We've covered a lot of his stuff on What the Riff, but here we are in in 1990, and they got this huge hit. He, and he did adjust the music to kind of fit what was going on. Right. And this is a little more poppy, but, man, yeah. great. Yeah. So unless you, if you lived under a rock, you don't know who the band is, so I'll go ahead and tell you. It's Steve Tyler on vocals. Every once in a while, he played piano and harmonica. You got uh, Joe Perry on guitar, obviously. You got Tom uh, Hamilton on bass, get, uh, Joey Kramer on drums, and Brad Whitford on guitar. And Brad Whitford would stick around for a little while, then he'd come and go, and he'd pop in and out of the band. Um, but this is from their Big Ones album. Um, it's such an amazing... I mean, it's such... Listen, if you buy any Aerosmith album, you're buying a hit. Because mm-hmm. all their albums are amazing. This album is just packed with amazing music. This song's about a guy who's broken up with a girl and he's trying to figure out how to get over it. No particular story. Not about a particular girl. It's just about, you know, everybody, everybody who's been in love and broken up experienced this feeling, you know? Right. 
and then you got an amazing voice, an amazing track to go to put it put it to work for you. You know, we we could cover this album and still have some hits. Oh, oh yeah, yes, you could cover this album twice. Oh, yeah. only album we've covered so far was the um, Walk This Way album. So you know. Toys, toys to, in the Attic. Yeah, yeah, it would be good to pick out one of the 1990 albums because they really did. Like, like you said, Lynch, they, they could do no wrong. I'm old school. I love the early stuff. So, I mean, to me, Night in the Ruts was sort of like their last real rock album. And then, you know, the stuff before that, I mean, it, it, it'll blast you away. What? Uh, so, Aerosmith is the best-selling rock, American rock band of all time. Really? Oh, wow. 150 million albums sold worldwide. Huh. 85 million just sold in the United States. I mean, so let me get it. If you had to pick one album and, and the rest of them get deleted, which album do you pick to stay for Aerosmith? This, Toys in the Attic, which one? I'd go with Toys in the Attic myself. Uh, so I'm going to throw a curveball here. There's an album of Aerosmith called Bootleg. Oh, okay. And it is a double album. Most of it's live, but it's they put it out themselves because they knew people would start putting bootleg albums out, and they just wanted to beat people to the punch. <laughs> but it has all those hits that they had from in the early 70s and stuff, but also stuff like Train Keeper Running, you know, Mama Ken, things like that. So that, to me, is one of those albums that just really okay, dear to well my that, heart. That kind of cheats the whole scenario. It's you, not a greatest you, hits album. It's a greatest hits album. <laughs> no, it's Obviously, a live you album. Pick the greatest hits album. It's a live album. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, this this is great. I mean, this band is great. Steven Tyler's so smart. The rock and roller coaster down at Disney. Oh my yeah. god! What are yeah. my favorite roller coasters? I mean, they, they got to be making so much freaking money. Oh yeah, we don't really talk about them a whole lot as much as we should. But yeah, and this song is interesting because it's it's a little fast for a ballad, but slow for a rock song. And you just got a ton of Steve Tyler basically screaming into the mic. Just don't pull up a picture of him now, because he looks like an old grandma. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve Tyler, if you're listening to this. There you go. All right, I love it. He did play nice. the harmonica on that one. He did. All right, so now Wayne is bringing us a band we featured a couple times. Yeah, you guys might remember I did the Smithereens, especially for you album, in episode 75, which was June of 1986. And I saw this charted song from May of 1990, the song Blues Before and After. I can't tell you enough how I love this band. You know, I mean... I was a low-income manager at a crappy lumber store, working 60s hours a week, no prospects, and guys, this is how I felt. Those occasional times, you know, I had a day that didn't work out, and I'd get those blues before and after. <laughs> this yes. song is about a guy who's in love with a woman, and the woman just doesn't love him back, but she abuses the situation for her own selfish gain. I mean, here's the lyric. Just as always, you've gotten your way. Just a normal complication in a typical day. I love the I love the beat of this song. Yeah, it's got such a like a for a for a blues before and after. Yeah, it's got such an upbeat kind of sound. Well, that's the way they were. So you might 
recall the big song on this was A Girl Like You. Yep. Oh, yeah. All right, I covered that one on the staff pick. Yeah, exactly. The album is called Eleven. Anybody got an idea where they got that name from? For the sound? This one goes up to Eleven. <laughs> That's right. They said it was probably from Spinal Tap, but also they liked the, the movie Ocean's Eleven. So. It's really, I, I love that little drive. It's, I could just see them kind of, you know, with their guitar shaking their hip. Got that heavy, fuzzy sound. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking, even if you're not a Smithering fan and you want to delve into buying a whole album like you know we we focused on, get download their greatest hits. Literally, front the back. It's great songs. You'll be surprised at how many you know. Yeah. And you like. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them in a festival just before COVID came out. And the lead singer is Marshall Crenshaw because the original lead singer died back in 2017. Does he sound the same? Yeah, very similar. Yes, and everything. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have assumed that, but yeah, interesting. Yeah. But Pat Denizio was the was the lead singer and the main writer of all the songs. And that, you know, I guess they're more a tribute. They did a lot of Who songs on theirs, like Sparks and stuff. It was great. They're out of New Jersey. They're underappreciated. You know, I don't know. You call it power pop, college rock. I don't, I don't know. I, I, it feels like college rock or indie rock a yeah. little bit to me. I saw one comment. My neighbors love this song, even though they don't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. They're All going right. to by the time I'm finished with them. Great. <laughs> Thanks, Wayne. That's good. So when I was looking through the database and trying to figure out what do I want to cover, I came across this song, and I started listening to it. I think you may um, recognize the voice when you start singing. Ooh, that's got a nice sound. Yeah, the guitar is nice on it. This is one of those that makes... Makes me think of driving in the summer night with the windows down. Oh, out west, too. You know, just... You hear that voice? I'm trying to place it right now. I covered this artist previously on a staff pick. It's actually a duo. Simon and Garfunkel. David and David. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All this right. is David Bearwald. Mm-hmm. He was he was part of David and David. They had a huge album. Welcome to the Boomtown. Boomtown, exactly. Their single, Welcome to the Boomtown, made it to the Billboard Top 40. And that album was on the charts for nearly 14 months. Wow. Wow, that's big. Yeah. But alas, Bearwald and David Ricketts split after that successful album. And he started kind of doing some things on his own. This is his first solo album. And the album's entitled Bedtime Stories. And the song is All For You. Did it all for you. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> I have I don't think I have ever heard this song. Was it a was it a hit? It was a deep cut then. This hit, this was the hit off the album, if you can consider it that. Right. But uh, it's, it's a night, it's a decent album. I listened to some other uh, tracks on it. And while she's not on this song, he had a prominent female musician join him for the album, Joni Mitchell. Oh, 
Wow, I've, very I've, cool. I've heard of her before. Where have you heard of her from? I don't know. I think she did a, a song or two in the 70s. Or an album. A, a few. A few songs. <laughs> if, you, if you had the album Boomtown, and especially that song, one of the things I appreciate about uh, Bearwald is that he tells a lot of stories in his songs. You know, he kind of picks something and, and says, here's the story about going on. Remember, it, in Boomtown, it was Handsome Kevin, and, you know, he's telling mm-hmm. about uh, the, the life of basically drug dealers in some cases. In this album, he's talking about a guy named Lucas Riley. And he, he came to L.A. from a dying English town with his 19-year-old wife. He tried to prove his love with money when all she wanted was him at home. He came home tired every evening. She'd be waiting there alone. Hmm. Oh, it's got kind of a cat's in the cradle kind of then, theme to it. another verse, while Lucas Riley slept, his wife and lover met, making love while Lucas Riley fell deeper into debt. Mm. Wasn't paying attention to it. I take it back. This is not like cat's in the cradle. <laughs> And then Lucas Riley met a man who said, you've been working much too hard. Nobody understands you. Nobody sees the man you know you are. I have a little business. I admit it's a bit against the law, but if anything goes wrong, I can say you're not involved. So it's just kind of a demise of this guy that was working too hard, got in trouble, lost everything. He started an OnlyFans. That's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) But the song is about I'm going to do everything. I'm going to do it. I'm doing it all for you. I'm working. How many times have we told our wives, I'm working late, but you know I'm doing this for you. Like the reason I'm doing this, I'm working my tail off, and we convince ourselves that it's a good thing. Right. We have to we have to guard against that for sure. I agree. Working for a living. Yeah. Living and working. Yeah, that's right. There's an old saying that says you have to pay yourself first. And yeah. by that, what it means is you don't pay yourself money first. You pay yourself with time and experience first. Yeah. Yep. And that's the way you live a good life. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the biggest piece of advice I would I would have for a, a younger listener out there. <laughs> Don't give it all to the to the job for sure. But yeah, if you're if you're living ju- if you're living just to work, then what are you doing? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, ju- I think his voice is great. I just thought this was a good one. And I like that sound. All right, top hits of May of 1990. These are all timestamp, buddy. Vogue, Madonna. Nothing compares to you, Sinead O'Connor. We just talked about her. Great song. All I want to do is make love to you, heart. Hold on, Wilson Phillips, and all right, Janet Jackson. You're really pop hits of I got, I got to say that Wilson Phillips had a great sound. Their harmonies were yeah. fantastic. <laughs> so did Hart. They did. Yeah, but at this time, they were they were manufactured. I like, I like Hart's older stuff. Yeah. I agree. Well, sure, yeah. The big hair days were not good for them. And I don't think they really – I think that was a push from the – the yeah. record industry more than you, it was. I bet you they banked more off of all I want to do. Oh, yeah, they sure did. Probably did. Probably did. Well, check that out. All for, for you. Thanks for that, Rob. Yep. That's a nice one. All right, now we're going to go bounce over to the man who started it all today. And Bruce has a uh, uh, a little ditty here. All right, guys. It's not a little ditty about Jack and Diane. It's though. a little what? It's, it's a little feat. Oh, okay. Let me introduce you to Jimmy Page's favorite American band. Really? Yeah. I like Little Feet. I, I think 
Someone ought to do an album of theirs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they should. And, and they've got a lot to pick up, pick from because Little Feet was formed in 1969. I was about wow. to say, I didn't know they were from 1990. I'm like, I thought this was an old band. I think they're still out there touring, too. I think they are, too. This is the... the this is the lineup is different though. Yeah. For for this band than it was the band in the seventies. Yeah. The main so. singer and leader died. That's right. So that was uh, Lowell George. Yeah. Died in nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. Of a heart attack induced by a drug overdose. Of course, that probably wasn't helped by the fact that he was morbidly obese at the time. That will hurt. That will definitely not. Those two things do not go hand in hand, and they don't go by themselves either. So That's true. That's true. This is really moving. This is Texas Twister. So the, the idea of this, oh, here's the lyrics. How young is too young? How fast is too fast? Rob, Little Feet's going to move. I mean, I... Yep. It's that southern rock. It's, it, it is regular rock. They they crank it. I tell you what. Let me ask you this. Little Feet in the mid-70s versus Little Feet in the 1990s. Is there is there a direct correlation? I mean, do they, mm-hmm. do they the, the sound it, the same? The, the, the sound is it, a little bit of a different sound, but it's not it's not substantially different. You're still... That that kind of the the boogie sound that you get here, yeah. you get in the '70s as it's well. A little bit more produced now in in the yeah. '90s, as is most of them. I mean, yeah. it, it's like Aerosmith. Sure, Aerosmith in the '70s, Aerosmith in the '90s. It's got a similar sound, but it's it's almost a different group, even though you got the same artist involved. In this case, they had uh, Craig Fuller, who was a founding member of the Pure Prairie League, is the okay. one that replaced. Amy. Uh, Lowell George. What, what you, you gonna, gonna do? do? <laughs> but it's got um, it, it's it's a, it is a similar sound. Okay. Listen to that guitar. Yep. Love that train that train beat. Yeah. Yeah, we're all bobbing our heads. I'm they, sitting there going, all four of us are just saying, okay, grooving to this man. It's got a neat video too. You know, as is anything in the '90s would have a, a good video. This one's got one where he stops in the bar. And, and picks up a girl, and they're, you know, basically doing the whole Thelma and Louise thing. And yeah. she's just bad news, right? And, and it turns out that this is all kind of a fantasy that happened as he's sitting at the bar. And then, you know, he's like, okay, I got to get out of here. What a fun song. It's solid, isn't it? I figured I'd better do this if I'm going to put the Sundays on. <laughs> Wayne, like Wayne will kick me out of the group. No. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good contrast. I like it. Texas Twister. Somehow, reason it, I, I'm just I'm just seeing Stevie Ray Vaughan in this. Well, yeah, he did Texas Flood. Yeah. Oh, so that might be. That's it. probably it. But it's also it has that it has that Texas blues sound and you. You'd have to think of Stevie Ray Vaughan when you think of Texas. Blues. I think this was around the time the movie Twister came out. Could be, yeah. yeah. Early '90s. This is a good song, man. I, I once again, you're bringing a good one here. I try. I, uh, Thank you, Bruce. It's all about you, Wayne. It's all about you. <laughs> yeah, please me in there. <laughs> 
You're going to burn down, mister, when you meet that Texas twister. And we're not talking about the weather. Yeah, this was this was off of their ninth studio album called Representing the Mambo, which I found an interesting what title. A, what a great name for an album. It is, isn't it? It does, it does feel a lot like a mambo. Just no, a little bit. Zero percent mambo is what this song is. I hear you, buddy. Yep, it's about picking up a girl and wondering if you will survive the evening. Ooh, uh, I had a couple of those. All right. They got, well, they got medicine for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks there, now, Bruce. Now they do. Okay, now we're going to go to uh, an instrumental track. Uh, Not exactly. Not exactly. It's not instrumental. It's a laugh track. Is it a laugh track? I'm going to call this a novelty track. Okay. Okay. So Madonna was in the movie Dick Tracy in April of 1990. And then she released an album based off of Dick Tracy. Okay. Okay. So this has got that 1930s feel. And this song is called Hanky Panky. Okay. You, You guys ever see that movie? No. What, Dick I've Tracy? Oh, yeah. Dick Tracy, yes. The Dick Tracy with yes. the Madonna thing. Yeah. That was a good one. I, I enjoyed th- that. I thought it was good. It was black and white. It yeah. was like... It- well, you think about it, back in the day when Dick Tracy was in the comics, he had the little watch with the screen he could talk to people, and yep. now we got the phones and watches he can do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. He had, he had it in that movie, too. Yeah. And, like, everybody, like, all the kids... You know, high school stuff wanted to have that. But. Was it Warren Beatty that played? Yeah, Warren yeah. Beatty. Yeah. Yeah, a few uh, things in entertainment of May of 1990 we didn't get to. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. died. If you guys that remember was sad. Him. TV I love Sammy. and singing. Mm-hmm. Vic Tabak died. If you remember him, he was Mel in Alice. Oh, uh, yeah. That? A couple of films that came out. Free Birds with Nicolas Cage and Tommy Lee Jones. Tells from the Dark Side, the movie, that comedy horror. Far Out Man, starring Tommy Chong. <laughs> Bird on a Wire. I actually watched this one with yeah. Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn. It was a pretty yeah. good movie. Yeah. Cadillac Man with Robin Williams and Tim Robbins. It was sort of a black co- comedy, and I never got into that one with him. Uh, Back to the Future Part 3, if you remember, this is I where loved, I loved they went out west. Yeah, I loved all of them. Back in the 1890s They had or whatever. to get back using a train. I think he called himself Clint Eastwood or something like that. That's, that's <laughs> the one where at the end of it they have the uh, the, the, the scene where the kids eat, eating Doritos in the Old West and they forgot to cut it out. So <laughs> if you know to look for it, you can see a kid uh. eating a bag of Doritos in the crowd. <laughs> Some of the albums that came out, Billy Idol, Charmed Life. Bruce Dickinson, tattooed millionaire, you know, lead singer from what group? Anybody remember what group? Deep Purple? Singer? Deep Purple, no. <laughs> Iron Maiden. Oh, never mind. Dio, Lock Up the Wolves. Y&T, 10. Ice Cube, America's Most Wanted. The Pretenders, Packed. And Concrete Blonde, Bloodletting. And there, if you recall, that was, that was a pretty good, a couple good songs on that album. I'm surprised no one did that. But you've been listening to May of 1990. We're What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to What the Riff? 
We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff? <laughs>